Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast. I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and I'm joined by Brad Shepard this evening, uh, Will Shelton, who you're used to hearing as the esteemed host of the Humble Little Podcast, cannot be with us tonight because, um, well, because he, he, he ruptured his vocal cords after falling on a football helmet after last week's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and if you're not buying that, I'll just go ahead and tell you that Brad punched him in the face. That's really what happened. So, seriously, I played the fifth. He he what? I played the fifth. (laughs) Good, good. I'll uh, I'll represent you. (laughs) Um, Seriously though, Will's off having a baby with his wife this evening. So blessings and prayers to all of them, and uh, continued prayers for the next eighteen to twenty-five years of sleep deprivation as well. So, (laughs) anyways, it's been an eventful week on Rocky Top. Uh, The Vols, who really needed to capture some positive vibes after that soul-crushing last-second loss to hated rival Florida two weeks ago, instead sleepwalked to a listless 17-13 win over the UMass Minutemen, a team that, uh, had they won, would have been uh, 1-4. and four. <laughs> So then on Monday, Butch Jones responded to a, a reporter's question about whether Shy Tuttle's injury was the result of an altercation with another player by launching into an extended dissertation on the perils of reality TV and fake news. I'm not sure exactly what he was uh, aiming for with that statement, but I think it's safe to say that it was just a bit outside. And so it's in that context that Georgia comes to Neyland Stadium Saturday. Uh, Bulldogs are ranked seventh in the nation. They look as good as they have in years. They have a stable of running backs that is as talented and deep as we have seen maybe ever. And uh, they have a suffocating defense that's going to be going up against a Tennessee offense that you might say is hyperventilating. So basically it's looking like it might be a bad week to need a big win. But here's the thing. Um, That's kind of when Tennessee is at their best. And that's also when the best memories are made. So we're hoping for something really special in Knoxville uh, on Saturday. But before we get to Georgia, let's back up just a bit and see uh, if maybe there's a chance that we're all overreacting just a little to the uh, UMass um, win. I guess it was win. I have to keep reminding myself that that was a win. So <laughs> let, let me start by asking you this, Brad. Uh, how much of the UMass game do you think was attributable to just it being a simple hangover? And how much do you think might be attributable to sort of fundamental problems that might manifest themselves the rest of the way. Well, I mean, I've, I've kind of been asking myself that question a lot this week and, and I, and I, you know, after kind of getting over the initial anger of just how 
poor they looked. Uh, you know, I, I think that that really there is, you know, it, there really is a lot to the hangover game, and and it's, you know, it it happens way too frequently to teams to write it off as just you know something that people made up. And I think that, yeah. and I think that you'll see it this week um, across the SEC um, when you know Arkansas plays a pretty good New Mexico State team that gave Arizona State all it wanted in the first week of the season. And that's that sets up, you know, really in a difficult spot for the Hogs after their overtime loss, 50, 50 to 43 loss at Texas A&M last week. And you got Kentucky that came off that soul-crushing defeat to Florida for the 31st consecutive year that plays against yeah. a, an Eastern Michigan team that's that's no longer the worst team in the country like it was a couple of years ago. They've won – 16 of their last 21 games, and they're playing pretty good football. And That Kentucky you know, now, thing has been even worse than our loss to Florida. It, it, that was oh, terrible. It, it was. I mean, and Florida is just – Florida is so fortunate. They are – they they get the most out of the least that I have seen for any team in, in just ages. I mean, I don't know what, what Michael Wayne has done, but he has found favor with the gods, the lowercase g's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you because the, yeah. it's it's crazy how they just find find a way to to pull things out. But yeah. you know, and then and then you also have LSU that that plays a, that played a really lackluster game against Syracuse last week. That um, after losing to Mississippi State by thirty, and they play a pretty good Troy team. So I think that we've got an opportunity to see several SEC teams struggle the way Tennessee struggled last week. I think that that Tennessee struggling is maybe not the thing to be concerned about as much as how they struggled. It was, it was a pretty thorough struggle. I mean, they, they didn't really do anything right offensively. It seemed that they got, you know, very frustrated. It seemed that, that it, at, at times throughout the second half, they were just, you know, really wanting to punt it away and, and put it on their defense that they had gotten to the point to where they just didn't trust anything they were doing. And, and it, it really just was listless. I mean, it was, it was really probably the worst, most um, apathetic game I've seen since the Wyoming game that I actually attended, but it was it very much to me resembled that South Alabama game from early in Butch's tenure. I just think that, you know, that that, that this is a team that, that had issues, and they really played unlike they played this year. I mean, Tennessee's been imperfect this year, but, but they've been but – you could tell how talented they are. And, I, and so I don't think that there's a lot to go on from a from the standpoint of, Wow, is this really what we are? Because I don't think it is. I just think that, you know, to see, wow, this is what we really can be. That was that was brutal. I mean, and you know, also to kind of, with all of the, did it happen? Didn't did it happen or did it not happen? Kind of things that, you know, surrounded the game with the, the Tuttle black eye and the yeah. question about why Jawan Jennings and Todd Kelly Jr. are not standing on the sidelines or if they've left the program or I mean just you get kind of caught up in all the message board rumors and 
everything that you get when, you know, your your coach is losing some of his luster and you've lost a game that you shouldn't lose. So, you know, it's just there there are a lot of distractions around the team right now. And if that is an indication of how they're going to play when there are distractions, then I think it's it's concerning. But from a standpoint of talent, I think we're probably making a little too much out of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, we talked last uh, week about the importance of the quarterback rotation and how best to manage Garantano in that game. And, um, you know, we all had different ideas about it, but um, we all agreed that it was – you know, important to do it right. And, you know, I'm not sure that that game, um, the way that it played out, that there was really any way to do it right. <laughs> you know, there, right. Was, there was never really any opportunity. But do you think there's any possibility that we might have done some long-term damage the way that it was handled, you know, putting, you know, waiting to put, to, to take Dormady out and put Garantano in and then, um, you know, put Dormady back in a little later. Meanwhile, the game's on the line the whole time. You think there's any possibility we did any long-term damage to one or both of them? Well, you know, it's that's a. I think that's a very legitimate question, and it's hard to. It's hard for me to sit here and poke holes in it because when I was sitting there watching that game and just seeing how Tennessee was struggling to move the football. I was pretty much just screaming for them to do anything other than what they were doing. So at the time, I was glad to see Garantano come in, much like everybody else that remained in the stadium was due to the, you know, the round of applause and the cheer he got when he went in the game. But so it's very easy to sit there and play armchair quarterback like, you know, we're that we all like to do and that we, you know, do on the site because, hey, that's what the site's for. But um, you know, in retrospect, it really was the worst possible situation to put him in. I mean, because you had the play where Dormany scrambled and had wide open field in front of him, and Brent Hubbs has already said this week that he heard Butch yell, you know, run the ball um, when Dormady didn't, when he chose to throw it, and that, you know, that um, that Garantano came in right after that. So, you know, for a guy that had has pretty much been the guy all year in Dormady, you know, you make a a blunder like that and you get yanked, and then Garantano comes in, and you know they didn't he didn't didn't really look good in that first series, but then made a bullet throw to um, Brandon Johnson on the second series on third down that really should have gone for a long gain if not a touchdown, and then the second time he go or the third series he goes three and out as well so you got three consecutive fruitless drives that didn't yield a first down and then you got Dormady right back in there so I mean it really you know and you say Butch can't catch a break I mean Butch doesn't make doesn't take advantage of breaks and doesn't make his own breaks but you know man it really worked out about the worst possible way imaginable so you know I think that we've that you know much like and and you know, I try to trying to not be, you know, trying to not use a lot of hyperbole here, but you know, there have been a lot has been a lot written this week, including um, I wrote something about it. Will wrote something about it, and a lot of other people have because I think that there's some legitimacy to it that this really could be the crossroads of 
of Butch's career at Tennessee this week. And and along the same vein, you know, I, I believe it could be the crossroads in Dormady's career as Tennessee's starting quarterback. Because if he goes out there and performs well against Georgia and Tennessee, you know, wins that game or they play them tight and, and it's a good football game, then I think Dormady's the guy for the foreseeable future, which means that, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Garantano era. Um, but if, if he goes out there and struggles, you know, I think that we could see a scenario where Garantano gets an extended look. So I think that last week was, was kind of an experiment in futility within the framework of a feudal game. But this week we really could see, you know, well, how, how is this team, how is this offense how is this regime going to look moving forward? Because I think that, that Butch's success is ultimately going to be tied to Dormady's success if he chooses to go in that direction. So, you know, we'll, we'll see this week. And I think that if Dormady struggles and Tennessee loses, that, you know, you're, you're going to have to at least give a long, hard look to what would this offense look like um, with Garantano at the helm. All right. So let's move on to, to Georgia. The, the you know, the way that Tennessee played last week and combined with the way that Georgia looked handling uh, Mississippi State, you know, a team that basically handled LSU the week before, you know, all that makes you think that the Vols are you know, just going to get demoralized on, on Saturday. And yet the spread is only seven and a half. Uh, most of the computer models think it's, it's going to be, you know, somewhere right around there, too. Um, what do you think? Do you expect it to be a close game, or do you think we're getting ready to get rolled on Saturday? I mean, it, you know, it could, it really could go either way. I mean, I, I could see Georgia rolling in and, and you know, winning, you know, twenty-eight to ten. But I, I really don't believe it's going to happen. And the reason why is because just because the recent history of that game. I mean, this has been a close game for the last several years, and you know, Tennessee. For, for for what it's worth, I mean, Butch always seems to get these guys up to play Georgia. And that that is traditionally in the Butch Jones era been Tennessee's best game of the season, or at least one of the best games of the season. And so you know, I think this game is very similar to the game four years ago when um Aaron Murray brought Georgia in and they were a top ten ranked team and um, you know, Tennessee was the, I think the spread – I can't remember what the spread was, but it was single digits. I mean, it was like six or eight or something. And, you know, everybody was just like, what do they see? I don't understand what they see. Tennessee's going to get killed in this game. And then Tennessee did all but win that game before Pick Howard fumbled out of the end zone. So, you know, I, I see it being very – I mean, I could I could see it being like that. I mean, Tennessee – always plays this game tough. I mean, with the checkered kneeling and the smoky grays and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you can say it doesn't have an advantage, but, you know, they, they kids love that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think that the atmosphere, that if the atmosphere is raucous the way it could be in Knoxville and if Tennessee gets off to a pretty good start, then who knows in this game? I think Georgia is probably not quite as good as they've played so far this year. And I don't think Tennessee's not quite as bad as they've played this year. So, you know, I, I think that it, it it could be an interesting battle. I still, I mean, I still believe Georgia's going to win. I think Georgia's the best team in the East. 
and yeah. they, you know, I, I mean, the best thing that Tennessee, to me, the best thing that could happen to Tennessee is if Georgia comes in and plays Eason because he's going to be rusty. I don't think he's that smart. And Fromm, to me, has looked very savvy, looked very good, and looked very in control of of the offense. So even though he's got maybe a little bit limited or scaled down playbook, you know, I think that Georgia's really responded well to that, and they've got the running backs to kind of carry that offense, like you said, with. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and um, DeAndre Swift. You know they've been really, they've had, they've got really, really quality runners, and and you know they can wear a team down, they can wear a defense down. So, I mean, I I think Georgia ultimately wins, and that's not even considering that defense that you know with DeAndre Walker, Lorenzo Carter, and um, Davin Bellamy, three guys that if Tennessee fans follow recruiting know very well because the Vols were finalists for all three of those guys. Um, those three guys coming off the edges, I mean, they've they've really um, really taken Georgia's defense to the next level. So uh, it's going to be a really, really tough matchup for the Vols. But, you know, the good part about it is, is that Georgia just kind of lines up and comes at you. They don't do anything frilly. They don't do anything fruity. They just kind of line it up and, and pound it. So in a straight-up game, you know, you like you like your chances of, of Tennessee just kind of making things difficult for Georgia. So it, it could be an interesting game. I mean, obviously, I'll be watching as we all will be, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't waste my time if I didn't think Tennessee had a legitimate chance to win. Except for in the Alabama game, I'm always going to watch that, even though I don't think we have a legitimate chance to win that one. The thing I was saying about uh, Fromm and Easton um, is that there was a chance that those guys could mismanage their quarterback situation too, you know, um, sure. because they needed Fromm, they needed him to do well, um, and yet he wasn't the guy that they uh, chose, you know, to begin the season. So, um, what do you do with Eason now that he's that, now that he's back? Um, and you know, he he had his ups and downs uh, last year, and Fromm has looked good. But, you know, I know Fromm has played in South Bend, but I think Georgia packed out that place up there. So sure. I'm not sure that he's really played in a place like he's going to play Saturday at Neyland. Um, So, you know, we'll, we'll see whether or not we can rattle him, give him his first taste, because it's hard to be a freshman quarterback on the road in the SEC, uh, even if you are a five-star. So, anyway, um, so I don't know whether you had a chance to see this or not, um, but this afternoon I posted the starting lineup of the two teams, and I included their class ranking and also their uh, recruiting ranking, their 247 composite, just to see. You know, I, I kind of knew that Georgia was more talented, but I wanted to kind of see you know, how much more talented. And the yeah. numbers bear that bear that out. They, you know, they, got, they have four or five stars, which is incredible on the starting lineup. Um, we only have two. Um, they have more four stars. We have more three stars. Um, we're still talented, but they're still more talented, you know. And and yet, you know, those are recruiting rankings, and they don't really speak to how um, how uh, important they are to the team right now. You know, after having been there for a while. So just using the eyeball test, what, what do you think? Do you, um, do you think they're more talented? And if so, how much more talented do you think they are than Tennessee? I think they're a lot more talented, actually. Um, and, you know, I think that 
that Georgia never had any issue recruiting well under Mark Richt. Um, I think that the the kind of the the thing that that Georgia fans were were maybe not happy about during the Richt era was that a lot of the guys they wanted from in state uh, went elsewhere, and that's not happening with Kirby. And Kirby is. He's not quite recruiting to that Saban level, but that class last year was a Saban type class. And you know, and the, the scary thing about you know looking at, at their recruiting rankings and their starting lineup is a lot of those kids that they recruited last year are, are not starting yet. And so, you know, Georgia is really kind of if if they if they can get good game day coaching, if they can have good player development, two things that I think Tennessee has lacked in the Butch Jones era, then, then Georgia is, is primed to take over the East. That's, you know, a reason why I believe that Tennessee is kind of at a crossroads in, in the Jones era. And it, it's not because of Florida. It's not because of anybody else in the East. I think that Tennessee is is not losing ground to those guys. I think that they are in danger of losing ground to Georgia. And, you know, Georgia's primed to have a, another excellent recruiting class this year, Zamir White, who I think is – right up there on par with the Cam Akers, the running back from last year's class. He's committed to Georgia. I mean, the, the dogs are going to get, you know, several really good defensive players again in this year's class. And they're just – they're they're doing an, an excellent job on the recruiting trail. And I think that when you look at Georgia's lineup, you know, two things really stand out to me. And, you know, they've still got some issues in skill positions. They've still got some some issues in the uh, you know on the offensive front that that that's going to take a little bit of time to build up. But you know, two things that really stand out to me as far as you know, Tennessee fans all should be very excited about John Kelly. John Kelly is, in my opinion, going to be on par with, if not the best running back in this game. I I, I think that I would probably rank him second because. Nick Chubb has looked more like Nick Chubb the last couple of weeks. Um, the the Nick Chubb that we all – anybody that is a football fan and, and knows just how great of a kid that guy is, you know, we're, we're really rooting for him to come all the way back. And he looks like he's 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 closer than what he has been. So um, if Nick Chubb is, is full Nick Chubb again, I would rank him over Kelly. But – Anyway, the point I was trying to make is that Tennessee's got John Kelly, and we're all excited about John Kelly. Ty Chandler is going to be a really good running back. But Georgia's got three NFL running backs for certain that they're getting quality reps to. One of them's a true freshman. And, you know, they, they're just – they're exceptional running football. And then the, the thing that I think is most worrisome for Tennessee is – Georgia's defensive speed. I mean, not only do they have big defensive linemen that can kind of clog up the middle and, you know, really kind of help you get away with, with being able to run a 3-4 because you've got some some bulk up there at the front that are doing a good job getting a push and disrupting plays at the line of scrimmage. Then you've got some, some really exceptional pass-rushing defensive end slash outside linebacker type of athletes that – that a 3-4 needs to be dynamic. And Georgia's got them with DeAndre Walker, Lorenzo Carter, and Davin Bellamy. I'm, those are three unbelievably 
talented, gifted athletes that can just pin their ears back and come after you. And Tennessee is, has not played very well at the offensive tackle position this year. So, you know, I'm I'm concerned about that. And Georgia's got got defensive speed on all three levels. You know, their running backs are very good on offense. And then, you know, they've got two of the most talented quarterbacks in the conference. Doesn't mean they're the best quarterbacks, but you're talking about five-star kids with, you know, with really gifted arms that, that can that can make things happen through the air. So, and they're young. I mean, they're a freshman and a sophomore. So, Georgia is really primed to kind of have a a little run here where they're the kings of the East if Tennessee doesn't kind of rise up and stop them. And, and I don't see Florida hanging with Georgia this year. I mean, I really think that Tennessee's kind of the closest on par with Georgia's talent. And as you said, you know, I don't believe – I mean, like you said, the rankings bear it out. I don't believe it's just the rankings. I believe it's the player development and actual quality and depth of player that's going to be on the field on Saturday. I think Georgia – is just better. So, you know, you, you, you think of, well, where are the intangibles? You know, how does Tennessee win this football game? And that's that's turnovers, that's execution, that's special teams, and it's coaching. And so I think the jury's still out on on Kirby Smart. I'm As anybody who's ever read any of my work for our old site knows, and I'm not a Jim Chaney fan. So, I mean, I think that, that – you know, and he called a great game last week. But, you know, I think that that it still bears out, you know, wondering if, if Georgia's got great coaches. And we haven't proved, we haven't seen that yet. But, you know, we also haven't seen that Tennessee does either. So I think Tennessee's going to have to play a, a, a great game, maybe its best game on Saturday. And they're going to have to make some shrewd coaching moves. And, you know, I, I don't think that it's being unfair to say that, Butch has not yet proven that's his forte, so it's going to be it's going to be a tough game. So you and Will both uh, mentioned you know the crossroads sort of angle on this game. So how how big you know just we know it's a big game for Butch, but just how big do you think? How, how much time can he buy for himself with a win, and how much time does he have left if he loses, whether it's in a you know, a close game uh, or in a blowout? Well, I mean, I think if Tennessee if, if Tennessee wins this game, then I think that, that, you know, you're looking at that I think that Tennessee could still be an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. And that's because you look at it, and even though Tennessee has not played particularly well and has not proven yet that it's a particularly good team, there is only one guaranteed, and I call it guaranteed, loss, and nothing's guaranteed, but – one almost certain loss on the schedule. I mean, LSU doesn't look like world beaters. South Carolina, as Will said last week, is a different team without Debo Samuel. We saw that in the Louisiana Tech game. Vanderbilt and Kentucky are, are better, but they're not good yet. I mean, LSU's struggling, and, you know, they've got some coaching issues. So Tennessee can win every other game that's not Alabama on the schedule. So – you know, I think if Tennessee wins this game, then things kind of ramp back up in the right direction. And then you kind of, as long as Butch doesn't lose one he's not supposed to, you know, you you, you start, this thing kind of gets back on track and you start saying, well, that maybe this season is what we all thought it was going to be initially. But 
that's not really the reason why people are angry and irritated right now. You know, the reason, and, and you know this, and everybody knows this, but, you know, the frustrating thing is when you when you continue to go into games and to play in games where you're quite obviously the better team against some of your rivals and you and you still find ways to lose, that gets exasperating. And that's what's happened in the Florida game during Butch's tenure except for last year. And so I think that, you know, he's, the leash gets a little shorter when you have things happen like what happened at Florida. And, and I don't think anybody's going to look back on the UMass game and it's going to be a, you know, an, another notch in the firing belt. I don't think it's going to be like that. I mean, but the Florida game, he's really going to have to have some goodwill wins to get back in to good graces. And it doesn't really matter what the what the fans think as far as like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, voicing your anger on social media and that kind of stuff, whatever. Fans are going to get mad. I'm going to get mad. People are going to get mad and say things and come back and, and have a little bit more rational thought later if they're rational, if they're rational beings. But the way that it gets concerning, you know, where it gets concerning is, you know, you and me sat in that stadium last week and saw, 40, 45,000 people in the stands in a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, and that's alarming. And that's something that I know for a fact that was eye-opening to some people up there, um, some movers and shakers. So when you start seeing butts out of seats and you start seeing people pulling donations, you start seeing, you know, some anger in the places where it hits you in the pocketbook, that's that's when Butch needs to be concerned. And, and so – I think that that if Tennessee wins this game, this I mean I think Neyland's going to do its part this week. I think Neyland's going to be full. I think the fans are going to be in full voice. I think that you know it's going to be a re- good recruiting atmosphere. It's a two thirty or three thirty game. You know it, it's got everything that you want for a major atmosphere. Now Tennessee's just got to show up. Players got to play and the coaches have got to coach and the balls need to win. And if that happens, then you know I think that. You kind of put on the back burner all the hot seat talk. But if Butch goes in and, and loses another game against another rival, you know, it, it then, then you know, people start getting angry. Maybe people stop, stop showing up. And when that happens, that's when you start getting concerned as a coach. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh... – a lot of stuff there. I, I think uh, I think Neyland's going to do its part, like you said, uh, this week, at least at the beginning. I wonder how it's going to react if things don't go well early, though. Or, sure. you know, at what whatever point we, we run into adversity, I wonder how fast the crowd turns. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Um, the other thing is, you know, it it's weird because Suppose we lose uh, to Georgia, and then we lose two more games. That's eight and four, right? Yeah. Uh, which is kind of what everybody expected, and yet somehow it feels worse. And I think the reason it feels worse is because of the way those some of those four have happened. So absolutely. You know, yeah. So like you said, at, at the end of the Florida game, the, it, it always feels worse to have it in your hands and then lose it, especially if you lose it because of some mistake that everybody, you know, can can see, 
you know. So he, he made some mistakes in, in, in that Florida game, um, and it cost cost him the game. Um, and yet, at, at the same time, I think he also kind of suffers from some historical stuff that really isn't his fault because we've been losing to Florida when we shouldn't have for years. <laughs> right, know? yeah. So, you know, some of that is not his fault. But, you know, he, he's got to do what he's got to do, you know. And he doesn't do himself any favors if he loses games that he has in his hands. So, I, you know, that's he's, it's, a, it's a complicated thing out there. I hope that everything goes well. You know, the best thing would be for him to succeed take us to a national championship and everybody be happy, you know. Um, storybook endings aren't usually uh, found anywhere other than storybook stuff. So, sure. uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, anything else you want to say about the game? You mentioned before that, uh, you know, it's going to be turnovers, penalties, coaching. Uh, that's going to be the key to the game. But anything specific that you think the Vols can do to uh, to pull out the upset on Saturday? Anything else you know, I really think they need to get – I mean, I just think that they need to – you know, how, how is Tennessee going to win this football game? It's not It's not going to win this game by, you know, lighting up the lighting up the scoreboard through the air. I mean, it's just, you know, Tennessee, they've got some, some playmaking weapons at receiver. They've got a quarterback that can move the ball downfield. Those are things that you that you need. But Tennessee is – Tennessee is going to have to control the game with its running game and its offensive line. I mean, and that's that's something that they need to get back to. I mean, they need to get to where they're riding John Kelly and and they're able to do that. And in the first couple of games, you know, they were able to do that through the through the um up the middle. I mean, where you know, guards in the center were, you know, one of the strengths of the team and with with Jay Sean, you know, not playing and some issues at guard last game. I mean, that that wasn't able to happen. So they need to get back to that. You know, they need to win some battles, some some upfront battles this week, and be able to run the football successfully, and then get back to the way they were in the first couple of games, which is once they get to the red zone, you know, scoring those touchdowns. And that's something that they've kind of gotten away from. I don't know why things have gotten, you know, so cutesy in the you know the last the last couple of games i'm not i'm not sure what's changed but i thought and i, and I even commented in on this podcast about how well i thought larry scott was calling plays and i thought he was going to be a strength of this team through the first two games and then he's been brutal in the last two so you know I, is that just some of the bumps in the road of being a first time play caller is that you know more indicative of what we're going to see. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think you can know because we don't have a body of work by which to to gauge how he's going to be. So he needs to get back into a rhythm and 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 really get into a good play calling mix in this game for Tennessee to have a chance. So I think it it boils down to really offensive play calling and execution. I think that's I think Tennessee's going to do okay on defense. Um you know, maybe I'm Maybe I'm a little too optimistic there, but I, I've seen some things defensively the last couple of games that make me think that that this team's kind of found some stuff with a little more speed at linebacker with Batuli and Corte Sapp playing that they can at least go out there and hold their own defensively. So, you know, Tennessee Tennessee really needs to make some plays on offense and some plays that we haven't seen the past couple of weeks. 
Speaking of linebackers, we're probably going to see three of them this week, don't you think? We're going to play a regular 4-3? I would think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's something we're going to play a lot of. But, you know, it, you, when you do that, you've got to get – You've got to keep Galden on the field, and so you know will he play a will he play a cornerback spot? I mean, you you got to think that we that we go back to playing three backers, and if, if that's the case, I'm you know you're looking at a sap jumper and Batuli linebacker core, which there's there's nothing wrong with that. So I I think Tennessee will give a lot of will give a lot of four three looks and you know more traditional sets this week. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see that, but regardless, Galden's got to be on the field because he's you know, one of the three best defensive players we have on the team. So, All right. Well, that's all we have for this week's edition of Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast. We appreciate you, as always, tuning in and listening, and uh, we always appreciate all the readers on the blog. Um, in case you're wondering, yes, we are the same guys who uh, belonged at SB Nation's Rocky Top Talk from 2006 through 2017, and when were you the- there, Brad? How many years? What years? What years was I there? Yeah. Uh, 2009 through 2014, I think. No, no, 2010 through 2014, I think is where. I think that's right. That sounds roughly like the Dooley years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I pretty much went to, I went to BR right when, my first my first BR, I, I went on at BR in August, and that was Butch's first August. So, okay, all right. So you're responsible for Dooley, basically. I'm responsible saying. for Dooley. It's my fault totally. All right. Um, so if if you haven't been to the new site yet, it's uh, GameDayRocketTop.com. Lots of good stuff up there. Uh, we have our uh, Vols Win Probability Calculator, which is a uh, little thing that we have that helps you uh, determine what you really think. Uh, as far as uh, balls wins for the rest of the season goes, um, we update that every week. Uh, we also got all the regular stuff. We got uh, stat rankings updates. We have a uh, weekly college football TV schedule and rooting guide just for Vols fans. We got fancy previews and link and video roundups and a whole bunch of other stuff that goes up uh, as inspiration strikes. Uh, we're recording this podcast uh, Wednesday night, hopefully the first part actually uh, recorded as well. Um, and it will go live uh, sometime tomorrow. Uh, and then we'll have all our regular games and contests, the pick and the guessing game Thursday and Friday. And then we have a – during the game, we have an open thread for fans uh, to discuss the game online as it happens without having to endure the madness on Twitter. So, uh, you know, if you like hanging out on Twitter during the game, that's fine. Go hang out on Twitter. But – if uh, you, like a certain coach we know, find the uh, negativity overwhelming, uh, we're over <laughs> here. So, anyway, uh, come, and, come and join us. Um, again, we appreciate everybody. And uh, I'll just say I am Joel Hollingsworth for myself and Brad Shepard and the in absentia Will Shelton. We appreciate you tuning in to the Game Day on Rocky Top podcast, and we'll see you again next week. Go Vols. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.